Good morning, everyone. It's good to see everybody, and uh, thank you for having me back, and I uh, look forward to sharing God's Word with you uh, all this morning. I wonder if you could turn with me to Luke chapter 24, Luke chapter 24 and verse 13. We're going to read from Luke chapter 4 and verse 13, uh, familiar, I would say, to most, maybe all here in the, in the building. It is the it's the story of the, the two on the road to Emmaus. Luke chapter 24 and verse 13. Before we turn to God's word, let's just come before the Lord in prayer. Eternal Heavenly Father, as we enter into your almighty presence, Father, we rejoice this morning in our salvation. We rejoice in our adoption. We rejoice in our redemption. We rejoice that we are coming into your presence as sons and daughters of the living God. Father, we thank you that even though there was a time in which we were lost, a time in which our eyes were closed, our heart was hard. Father, there came a time in our life when you, when you met us on that road and convicted us and brought us to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you that, that we know the truth of the gospel. And it's not because of our intellect or our wisdom. It is because you have revealed the gospel to us. You have opened up our eyes and our heart to the truth. And Father, we thank you that we have responded to the truth and we have repented and indeed believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, the author and finisher of our salvation. Father, we thank you for the one who made it possible. We thank you for the one who accomplished our salvation on the cross at Calvary. As the, as, the, as the word was read this morning, Father, he was obedient even unto death, the death of the cross. And we thank you, Father, that he on the cross accomplished our salvation in full through his death and his resurrection. And Father, we thank you that even though we have not seen him, we believe. And Father, we want to praise you for our salvation this morning and indeed for our inheritance that is undefiled and incorruptible and will never fade away. Father, this morning we just pray that for all of your people, Father, as we are here for this brief moment, Father, we just pray that as the gospel is preached, as the gospel is proclaimed, Father, we pray that it would come with a freshness, that it would revitalize the hearts of your people, Father. Sometimes we confess we get weary, we get discouraged, we maybe even are indifferent. Father, we pray this morning that all of your people would draw close. Grant us, Father, this morning a little revival. And give us that stirring of the heart so that we would see the Lord Jesus Christ in a new and fresh way to revitalize us and indeed so that we would go out and to share our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And for anyone here in this room whose eyes have not been opened to the gospel, whose heart does not burn as yet to the truth of your word. We pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit, because we can't create an anxious word, that your Holy Spirit would indeed cut into the heart and do that hard work, that is that heart work, convicting and drawing them to the cross, drawing them to the foot of their Redeemer, drawing them to faith 
in the Lord Jesus Christ. So, Father, be with us now. Humble our hearts. And indeed, Father, we pray that everything that is said in accordance with your will and accordance with your word would be to your glory and to your glory alone. And we pray these things in the precious name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Look 24, verse 13. Now, behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem, and they talked together of all these things which had happened. So it was when they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were restrained, so they did not know him. And he said to them, what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? Then, 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 then the one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? Have you not known the things which happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? So they said to him, The things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people. And I, the chief priests and our rulers, delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, beside all this, today is the third day since these things happened. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us. When they did not find his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. Verse 25, then he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ have suffered these things, and to enter into his glory, and beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Then they drew near to the village where they were going, and he indicated that he would have gone farther, but they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is towards evening that the day is far spent. And he went in to stay with them. Now it came to pass as he sat at the table with them that he took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished from their sight. And they said to one another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road, and while he opened the Scriptures to us? So they rose up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem and find the eleven, and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord is risen indeed." And has appeared to Simon. And they told about the things that had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. Now, as he said these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were terrified and frightened and supposed they had seen a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your heart? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And but while they were still not, did not believe for joy and marveled, he said to them, Have you any food here? So they gave him a piece of broiled fish and some honeycomb, and he took it and ate it in their presence. Then he said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the Scriptures. Then he said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. In verse 47, And that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. 
and you're witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. And when he led them out as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them, now it came to pass, while he blessed them, that he was, that he parted, he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Amen. It's an incredible story. And uh, it's a passage I've said is familiar, I'm sure, to most of us. But I just want to go through it this evening just, or this morning and just reflect on it and draw some applications for our own heart. I have this strange habit, and I'm not really used to sharing my strange habits, but you're my family, so I will share with you uh, one of my strange habits. Believe it or believe it not, I'm not a big reader. I don't really read books. In fact, I don't read books at all, okay? And I, don't worry, I study, I skim, I, I draw from other sources, but I'm not a big reader. I'm not one for getting a, a fictional book and reading from beginning to end. I'm not into thrillers or dramas or action or whatever. I, I, just, I just don't read books at all. I know that might sound shocking, but I'm just, I just not into books. I think the last time I read a book was when I was in Europe. I was in a caravan and it was an Ian Blyton book, uh, Secret Seven or the Famous Five or something. I, you probably don't believe that, but that is actually true. I'm just not a big reader uh, when it comes to fictional books or novels or whatever. But I've even stranger habit than that, um, because if somebody gives me a book and says, Philip, you've you, you got to read that. that. That's a really good book. That's a, an amazing read. Read that book. What I do is, well, what a normal person would do, would go to page one of the book and start reading from the beginning to the end. Read page one, page two, page three. That's what normal people do. But I don't do that. When somebody gives me a book, I don't go to the first page. I go to the last page, and I find out what happens. That's what I do. And a number of years ago, um, when I was still living at home, this lady uh, had come over from Australia initially to stay with us for six days and it turned out to be six months. But we, we, we got friendly with uh, this lady called Ruth. And uh, Ruth and I got to know each other quite well and I was still living at home and she had read this book and it was a global bestseller. It was called The Day After Tomorrow. It's in 1994, just shows you how far back this is. It was a 1994 global bestseller, The Day After Tomorrow. Big, thick book, as if I was going to read it. <laughs> and she had given me the book and said, Philip, I, I know you don't read books, but read this book. You will absolutely love it. So I took the book, and as you would expect, didn't read it. But I did hand it to my girlfriend at the time, which was Sharon, which is now my wife. And I handed it to Sharon because Sharon does love books and she does read. And she reads quite a lot of books and she reads novels and thrillers and all the rest of it. So I knew she would read it. So I handed it to, 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 to Sharon and Sharon read the book the day after tomorrow. And I said to Sharon, well, what did you think of that book? Ruth thought it was great. It was, it was an amazing book. And, and Sharon goes, I... I didn't see that at all. I didn't think the book, the book was any good at all. In fact, it was quite confusing. It didn't seem to make any sense. I, I don't know why it was a global bestseller, and I don't know why Ruth liked it, and I don't know why she recommended it to you, because I can't make head nor tail of it. it. It doesn't make any sense. It's not really that good of a book. Fair enough. So she then met with Ruth for coffee, 
And Ruth said to Sharon, well, Sharon, what did you think of the book? I heard Philip give you the book the day after tomorrow. What do you think of it? And Sharon says, well, to be honest with you, Ruth, it wasn't that great a book. I didn't really understand it. It didn't seem to make a lot of sense. And Ruth, with a big smile, put her hand into her handbag and lifted out a page. Anyone guess what that page was? The last page of the book. She wrote what Ruth had done before she had handed me the book, and she didn't tell me. She had taken the last page of the book out because she knew that I would go and go to the last page. I don't know how she knew that, but she knew I would go to the last page of the book. So without telling Sharon, without telling me, she had taken the last page of the book out because she knew that I would go. I ruined the whole thing, and I would go to the last page. And Sharon didn't know this. So Ruth hands her the last page of that book that she had taken out. Sharon reads the book, or reads that page, and what was the worst book she'd ever read became one of the best books she ever read. That page pulls the whole story together. That page reveals it all. That page makes that book into an amazing book. And just to be absolutely sure, I said to Sharon last night, now just, just, was that actually true? Did that actually happen? That, that when she gave you the last page, it pulled that book completely together and it went from a terrible book, a confusing book, to a book that made complete sense and was brilliant. She says, yes, absolutely, Philip. You can say that tomorrow. It, uh, that actually happened. So Sharon was given the last page in the book, and it all made sense. And when I think of these two on the road to a mess, I think of two people who are confused, who are saddened, who are grieved at the loss of Jesus. They, they don't seem to understand the full gospel. They haven't quite got it yet. They've got some understanding. They, they say that he's a prophet mighty indeed. Uh, he, he is one who would redeem Israel. They have some understanding, but they are missing the last page in the book. They don't have the full gospel message. Their understanding of Jesus is confused. They think that Jesus was there to lead them politically and militarily. They think that he was going to save them, not from a spiritual sense, but save them from the clutches of the Roman Empire, to release Israel, to redeem it from the bondage of, of Rome, and, and to set it free, and so that it would have its own identity and its own na nation, and Jesus was going to be the one to lead this. They didn't know him as Lord. They didn't know him as the risen Savior. All they knew was their leader was dead. The dream was over. They were confused. They didn't have the full gospel message. They didn't have the last page in the book. And you know, this morning, as we read this passage, it's so amazing to see this little confused couple, this couple who is sad and weary, who don't have the last page in the book. What happens to them? Jesus meets with them. Jesus meets with them in their confusion. Jesus meets with them in their misunderstanding. They don't have the full gospel, but Jesus meets them on that road and reveals himself to them through the scriptures. You know, all of us can testify, many of us in this room can testify to not having the last page in the book. Many of us can testify to that time in our life when we, when we didn't know God 
when we hadn't put our trust in the Lord. We knew something of the gospel, but it it hadn't sink deep into the heart. We hadn't been convicted of our sin. We didn't realize our need of a Savior. We were confused. We missed the last page in the book. But there came a point in our life, different stages for each and every one of us, where the Lord met us and opened up our eyes and our heart to the truth of the gospel, who convicted us by His Spirit and brought us to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's all of God, not of ourselves, lest we should boast. And this morning, let's rejoice that the Lord has given us that last page in the book that opened our eyes to the truth of the gospel. Many people out there, their eyes are closed to the gospel. Their heart has not yet been changed, but our heart has been changed. And we have come to faith in Christ. And we have been given new life in Him because He met us on our journey. A journey that was heading to a lost eternity, but a journey in which the Lord Jesus Christ met us and convicted us and brought us to a saving knowledge of Him by His Spirit. Maybe you're here this morning, friend, and you don't have the last page in the book. You've maybe heard the gospel many times. I'm sure, I know you will have heard the gospel many times from this pulpit. You maybe even enjoy hearing the gospel but you don't have the last page in the book. You don't have the full understanding of the gospel. Maybe you're here this morning and you think it's really to do with works. Maybe you're here this morning and you think, I'm okay with God because I'm here in this building, aren't I? I I'm, I'm part of a nominally Christian society, aren't I? I mean, I, I come up, I've been brought up in a Christian family. Surely all of those things are sufficient to get me right with God. They're not. As yet, you don't have the last page in the book. Your eyes have not been fully opened to the truth. And what is the truth of the gospel? That salvation is not by works. It's not by good living. It's not by merit. It's by faith alone, in Christ alone, by grace alone. And you say, is that it? Do I not have to work towards it? Do I have to merit towards it? No, you don't. But you can't anyway. Only by putting your faith in the one who is perfect. In the one who gave his life on the cross only by putting your faith in the Redeemer. As we have learned through our studies in Ruth, come to the foot of the cross and give your life to the Lord. And He will indeed forgive you of all of your sins. He will redeem you. And He indeed will bring you into a new and living relationship with Him. Come in faith. Come in repentance. Don't remain one more day not having that last page in the book. Come to the faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you indeed will be right with God this very hour and you will be rejoicing the Lord as you leave this building. And you know, again, what's wonderful is that the Lord meets these two on the road to Emmaus, and He opens up the Scriptures to them. It says in verse 25, He said to them, O foolish one, and slow of heart to believe in all the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into His glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, He expounded to them in all the Scriptures the things concerning Himself. Isn't that powerful? There wasn't a New Testament there. This was the Old Testament that Jesus Christ had opened up to them and read with them and explained to them. And what does he say? Beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the Scriptures the things concerning himself. The Scriptures reveal the Lord Jesus Christ. As I said in our studies in Ruth, if you read Ruth, if you study Ruth, and you read about Boaz, the kinsman redeemer, 
And you read about Ruth, that virtuous woman who, who was a Moabiteess who crossed over the border from Moab and, and, and came to the promised land and, and turned to the Lord. If you read that story and miss Christ, you miss everything. You miss everything. The kinsman redeemer Boaz pointed us to our eternal redeemer. He pointed us to the one who purchased our inheritance in glory and secured our inheritance through the shedding of his precious blood. The one who purchased us from the slave market of sin. If you miss Christ in the Old Testament, you miss everything. The prophets, the priests, the kings, the Psalms, they are types off, imperfect types off, shadows off, pictures off, pointing us to the Lord Jesus Christ. Whenever you're studying the Old Testament, whenever you're teaching the Old Testament, whenever you're preaching the Old Testament, you must present and, 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 and present to others Jesus Christ and point them to the Lord. But it also reminds us about the importance of when it comes to the last page in the book, when it comes to the gospel message, the importance of preaching the Word, teaching the Word, audibly sharing our faith. Some might say, I can be a testimony by not saying anything. Some might say, Philip, this is not the world in which you share your faith. See what it's like out there? I'm not testifying to anything. I'm going to keep the head down, but people will see it in my life. And you're right to a point. We are to be living testimonies. We are to live godly lives before men. We are to, 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 by our life and by our conduct, reflect Christ, and in doing so, draw people to ask us and inquire about what we have that they don't have. So we are to live it. We are to be a living testimony to who we are in Christ, but people need to hear it because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So we've got to share it. We've got to tell others about the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we could gossip it, we can, we can share our testimony, we can include the Lord in our conversations, as we've talked about before, but one way or another, we've got to share our faith. We've got to share the gospel. Why? Because everybody around us in this community, outside of God's people, don't have the last page in the book. They don't have the truth. They're confused. They, don't, they haven't quite got it yet. They're like this too on the road to Emmaus. They're not there yet. They don't fully have, have, have comprehended it. They don't understand yet the gospel. It's all a mix of confusion. A bit of works here, a bit of good living there, a bit of religious acts here and there. Maybe even universalism, God will save us all. They don't have the last page in the book, but you have it. And I have it. We have the last page in the book. We have the gospel message that saved us. And what does God want us to do? Not to hide it, not to conceal it, not to be embarrassed of it, and not to be ashamed of it, but to share it with a lost world. The centrality of preaching the word, that it be all, by God's grace, always the main thing in this church, the centrality of preaching. The centrality of preaching. Don't be distracted into minimizing preaching and engaging in things that will entertain and excite and thrill. Don't go down that road, brothers and sisters. Don't go down that road. 
Don't go down that road of of reducing and diminishing doctrine so that it will tickle people more and entice people more. Don't go down that route. Preach the Word. The Apostle Paul, on his dying hour, wrote a letter to his beloved son, Timothy. And the last words that you say to the, the person that you love, the last words are probably very significant words. In the last hour of your life, you're not going to say to somebody, you know, make sure you go to that restaurant or make sure you go and keep up with that golf swing or whatever. You're not going to do that. Whatever you share with one, the person that you love, the person that's deep in your heart, it's going to be serious. It's going to be important. It's going to have eternal significance. And Paul says to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4, I charge you. Now that's solemn. I charge you. And then he intensifies the charge. I charge you before God and Jesus Christ. I charge you, Timothy, before divine witness. And he intensifies it even more. I charge you before God and Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing. I charge you before the righteous judge of all the earth. What does he say? Preach the word. It doesn't get any more serious. It doesn't get any more solemn. I'm about to die, Timothy. And here's what I'm leaving you. Preach the word. Because there'll come a time, and I'm paraphrasing now, where man will not endure sound doctrine. They will have itching ears and heap up for themselves teachers who will scratch that itch. Is that not the days in which we're living? So continue to preach the word. And keep it central to this fellowship. And out there, for lack of a better phrase, get into the way of sharing with others the last page in the book. They don't have it, but you can with joy give it to them. And who knows, by God's grace, yes, some will undoubtedly mock you. Some will want to continue the conversation. as what happened to Paul in Acts 17. But some will believe and join that movement for Christ. And they find themselves back at the house, these two with Jesus. Now remember, they haven't yet recognized Jesus. Their eyes are not open to the truth. In verse 30, Now it came to pass as he sat at the table with them that he took bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they knew him and he vanished from their sight. Their eyes were opened. They didn't open their own eyes. God opened their eyes. They didn't recognize Jesus on the road to Emmaus. They brought him back to the house. They still didn't recognize him. And then the risen Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who had revealed himself in the Scriptures, opened their eyes, and they saw the truth and reality of the risen Savior. Many can testify to that this morning. I know him. I know him as my Savior and Lord. I know him as one who has risen from the dead. I know him as the one who has given me life, life in Christ Jesus. Our eyes have been opened. Let's rejoice, but let's share that last page in the book so others' eyes will be opened to the truth. And what happened to this, these two? Verse 32, they said to one another, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the Scriptures to us? So they rose up and that very hour returned to Jerusalem. So they go back to Jerusalem and find the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord is risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. 
and they told about the things that had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. What a meeting with the disciples and these two from, who were on the road to a mess. In verse 36, now as they said these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, peace to you. Peace to you. You know, friend, if you're outside of Christ this morning, and I have to tell you this, you're not at peace with God. You're not at peace with God. In fact, the Word of God tells us you're at enmity with God. You're not in a relationship with God. And I will say this, because it's the truth of the gospel. It's the last page in the book. If that remains, you will face the wrath of God for all eternity. Maybe we're living in an age in church life where some may be uncomfortable with me saying that. Maybe some might even think, Philip, you shouldn't be saying that. That'll put people off. I have to say it because it's the truth of the gospel. And if we don't tell others, who will? This world is drawing to a close. It might be a thousand years. It might be two thousand. I don't know. But the Word of God tells us that this world is passing away along with its desires. That's what the Bible tells us. But the one who does the will of God abides forever. Don't stay without that. Don't remain one more minute without that last page in the book. You have it. You have the gospel message. Put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Give your life to him. And you will know the peace of God that passes all understanding. You will not only know peace with God, but you'll know the peace of God. And what does that feel like? Well, you'll know when you put your faith in the Lord. You don't need to fear. You don't need to worry. You don't need, as you see the troubles in this world, that, 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 that won't shake you, that won't disturb you, because you will have an inner peace that passes all understanding, that only God can give. This world, you know it, cannot give you that peace. Can somebody put their hand up today and say, yes, the world has given me great peace, has given me great assurance. You can't, no one will, because it doesn't, and it doesn't even offer it. But God offers peace. Put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will know that peace of God that passes all understanding. They were terrified and frightened, and suppose, verse 37, they had seen a spirit. And he said to them, why are you troubled, and why do doubts arise in your heart? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself handle me, and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. Jesus appeared to them, not as a spirit, not as a ghost, but as the God-man. He appears to them in flesh. See my hands, see my feet. And then in verse 40 and 40 to 42, he eats. It's clearly a man, the God-man, the risen Savior, the bodily resurrection. The Lord has risen, has risen indeed. And they rejoice. And they rejoice. Verse 44, then he said to them, these are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you that all the things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And I opened their understanding that they may comprehend the Scriptures. He opened their understanding. It's all of God. And that's what we pray this morning, that God would open your eyes and your heart to the truth of the gospel. In verse 36, then he said to them, thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You see that? It's not just live it, but it must be heard from your lips. Repentance and remission of sin, the message of the gospel, the last page in the book, we have it and we must share it, testify it, gossip it, preach it, teach it. 
Share it at every opportunity for the glory of God. And behold, verse, uh, verse 49, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. And verse 50, and he led them out as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And it came to pass while he blessed them that he was parted from them and carried up into heaven, and they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. You know, they had seen the risen Christ. They rejoiced and they continued with the Lord. And that's the testimony of many here in this room. And I want to ask this question, you know, this morning, friend. Are you like the two on the road to Emmaus? Are you like the two on the road to Emmaus who just don't have that last page in the book? You've got some understanding of the gospel. You have some understanding of sin. You have some understanding of God, but you don't have that last page. You don't have that full gospel. Your eyes have not yet been fully opened to the truth. This morning, as the, the word has been read, as the gospel has been preached, I pray that God would open your eyes, that your heart would be burning right now, and that you would come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't leave it one more hour. Don't leave it one more moment. As the word is said here, repent and believe. Turn to the Lord Jesus Christ why he may be found. Don't turn to this world. Don't, like we studied in Ruth, stay in the land of Moab. It's not good there. And separation from God, if it remains, will be eternal separation. But there's hope because God is love. The last page in the book, the gospel message of Jesus Christ and Him crucified and the one who on the third day rose from the dead, defeating sin and death and the devil himself, giving us life eternal in Christ Jesus. This morning, as you've been given the last page in the book, what is your response? To turn from it or to turn to the Lord Jesus Christ and repent and believe? And I promise you, as you have walked into this room with no peace, you will leave this room through faith in Christ, by the Spirit of God dwelling within you, for your sins forgiven, you will leave this building with the peace of God that passes all understanding. You will leave this building like they, they, they did, rejoicing in the Lord. Come into this building a lost sinner. Leave a sinner saved by grace, a sinner on the road to glory. So put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Give your life to Him this very hour. Amen. Let's just pray. Eternal Father, we thank you for the, the gospel. We thank you, Father, that it is indeed the power of God, the salvation to all who believe. We thank you, Father, for the fact that the Lord Jesus Christ was obedient unto death. We thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ who went onto that cross and took that punishment in our place. We thank you for the one who on the cross reconciled us unto the Father and on the third day rose from the dead and was witnessed by many. We thank you, Father, for this story that reminds us of where we once were. We once were no different than that too on the road to Emmaus. We had some understanding. We had some inclination, but we didn't have the last page in the book. We didn't have the full gospel. Our eyes had not been opened to the truth and reality of our sin and our need to turn to a Savior. 
Father, we thank you for that day and hour that you saved us, that you redeemed us, that you forgive us, that you brought us into a new and living relationship with you. And Father, we just thank you that, that we are saved. Let us rejoice in that, and let us remember to share our faith. There's so many people out there, thousands and thousands around this community who do not have the last page in the book. They don't have that gospel message. They're confused. They don't understand. But we have the truth of your word. We have the truth of the gospel. We have the last page in the book. So, Father, stir us up to share our faith, to talk about the Lord, and to testify to who we are in Christ, and to point people to the cross, to the foot of their Redeemer. Father, we pray for anybody here in this room who who perhaps have, have just settled into just a, a church-attending life, a, a kind of a good living life, the assumption that that will be okay, that will be fine, that will be enough. Father, I pray that this morning, we pray this morning, that indeed their hearts would burn, that they would be convicted in their heart and their soul, and that they would realize this very moment that indeed they need to turn to Christ and Christ alone. They need to get right with God. Father, I pray that your spirit would work in their heart and draw them to the foot of their Redeemer. So this very moment, they would have peace with God and know the peace of God and indeed leave this building rejoicing in the Lord. We leave it in your almighty hands. And indeed, Father, as we come around the Lord's table, help us to again have a fresh insight, a fresh, a fresh uh, uh, revealing, Father, of you, of the Lord Jesus Christ, so that indeed we would be stirred up for great things for you. And we pray these things in his name. Amen. Just before we go to the Lord's table, um, this I believe.